So is this the fringe? Looks like it. What? Is this the show? And you'll need to speak up. No, it isn't. That's good. So, uh, yeah. Chris is uh, not with us again, which I'm pretty sure we're all thankful for. So that probably means we won't be talking about sheep and how Chris's previous wife was a sheep. And why he has zero sheep. Yes, and why he is zero sheep. Which apparently zero's not a number, or no, it's not real. Yes, it's not real. And any number that can be used in a computation to produce a not real number is also a not real number. Windows 10 for Raspberry Pi 2 now available for download. Oh yeah, I did see that. That one is definitely going to be newsworthy. That might get me buying a Raspberry Pi 2. I wasn't really going to do my buy one before. I mean, well, right away, but this would be probably a good reason to buy one. I've got my Gispadero doing the show. <laughs> Is it annoying you? No. Like, I know I'm, some people are annoyed by chewing. No. So I can spit it out if it's... No, I'm like, there's like still some noise, and I was like, are you chewing the water? <laughs> <laughs> I love water. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, 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 nom. Well, we created some interesting sound spikes there. With a laugh, I think. Well, I sort of wanted it to be quiet for a while so, you know, that I could get a good sample of your laptop fan noise. I can stop chewing for a while if that helps. Yeah, if you can for like a few seconds. That should be good. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for your cooperation. (laughs) That sounds like Portal 2. Which I think I heard an interview with Ellen McLean. Uh, on the radio earlier today. Who's Ellen McLean? The uh, voice actor really? for GLaDOS. Yeah. That would be kind of interesting to hear. Which I sort of read... Uh, let's see, I forget where, but I read an interview uh, you know, about her and her husband, uh, who is the voice for the sniper in TF2. Oh, interesting. The both in voice acting... It, I, when you, when you said sniper, it took me just a second to kind of like go back and think what the the voice was, but I, I think I got it. Yeah. Um, have you seen the oh, um, what are they called? Meet the team. Yeah, those. Have you seen them? Oh yeah. Yeah, the sniper was pretty good. He's like on the phone with his parents. He's like, "Look, mom, it's not, it's not, uh, oh, it's not something. There's a difference between in this between." Uh, like a killing mur- and like yeah, between mur- a murderer and a paid assassin, one gets paid for it and the other one's not. Well, something like that. It's good. well, no, no, no. It's you know, one's uh, one's a job and the other one's mental illness. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Uh, let me think here. Um, meet the sniper. Yeah, I'm not sure which one has more. Yeah, content. that that one. That one. Oh, it's by Valve. This would be the real yeah. one. Then. YouTube is now full screen. <laughs> the quality is challenging work. 
As long as you have fast internet, I may as well watch it and pretty. I guarantee you'll not go angry, because at the end of the day, long as there's two people left on the planet, <laughs> someone is going to want someone dead. Oh yeah, they're actually better than the game. I think maybe. Oh, the stupid Google autoplay. Yeah, I decided I want to watch that next. IOT buzzword is really recent. I don't know when it first appeared. Yeah. It feels really new. Yeah, like maybe a year ago or so. That's, uh, remember Rushi, uh, that we've met with a few times to eat? Yeah. That's, uh, he's talked a lot about that and he thinks that's going to be a really big deal. That's, like, for development wise, that probably there would be a big gap in the market for developers there soon. And I, I think it makes sense. Oh, uh, yep, here it is. Oh, crap. What just happened? I turned off my uh, my receiver because it does the sound. When, in fact, I did not want to turn it off. I wanted to turn it up. I was curious how your sound is tied into your monitor. All right, so... Of Americans play video games at least three hours a week, and part of the appeal seems to be the characters. Just like in an animated movie, they are brought to life by voice actors. For one couple we're about to meet, that brought some unexpected fame. Ashley Gross of member station KPLU in Seattle has their story. Ellen McLean has had a long career as an opera singer. But now this is what she's most famous for. Here's an interesting fact. You're not breathing real air. It's too expensive to pump this far down. That is McLean doing the voice of GLaDOS. GLaDOS is the passive-aggressive computer in the games Portal and Portal 2. Her husband, John Patrick Lowry, began his career as a guitar composer. But he's now famous for doing the voice of the snarky Australian sniper in the game Team Fortress 2. Professionals have standards. Be polite. Be efficient. Have a plan to kill us. 
Sounds familiar. Yes, it does. These games are blockbusters. If you're 20 years old, it's a good chance you've played them. So this is a story of unlikely fame for a couple now in their early 60s. Two decades ago, Lowry started to land video game roles. The first uh, video game I did was a thing called the Spy Fox Breakfast Cereal. Lowry wasn't a snob about it. It was a gig. But in those days, the industry was not too sophisticated. Game developers would just hand him some lines with no direction. One time his line was simply, goodbye, son. And I said, why am I saying goodbye to him? And what's going on? <laughs> Call up the writer and say, okay, okay, so, so what's happening? This is a place where the, the game branches. And your son is either going to, you know, go down to the store and be right back, or he's going to step through this interdimensional gateway and go to another universe, and you're never going to see him again. <laughs> so could you say it in a way that would work either way? <laughs> I said, uh, goodbye, son. Great, that's great. That'll work fine. Lowry says developers got more savvy as the games became more cinematic. He urged his wife to audition, but McLean was reluctant. I thought, eh, you know, why should I do this? I'd never get work. Well, never say never. Initiating surprise in three, two, one. They told the actors who were auditioning to sound as much like this computer-generated voice as you possibly could. I feel awful about that surprise. Tell you what, let's give your parents a call right now. In Portal, GLaDOS the computer has you do puzzles and keeps promising cake. <laughs> By the end, you realize she's lying. 24 hours after the game was released, we got a fan email from Denmark wow. saying people are in the streets of Copenhagen chanting, the cake is a lie. <laughs> the cake is a lie. Like, 24 oh hours? I'm married to a world famous person now. But Lowry's famous too, not just for the sniper, but also for Pudge the Butcher in the game Dota 2. Podcasters from as far away as India do gushing interviews. Guys, welcome to the show where we talk to Pudge. Oi, hello. You know what I like? I like fresh meat. Oh my god, I've got goosebumps. You can see here, I've got goosebumps. Lowry and McLean now have this link to a younger generation. Sometimes, just for fun, they reveal their video game alter egos to random strangers. I'll see, say, a 17-year-old boy <laughs> walking down the street, and as I go by, I'll say, We're a lot alike, you and I. You tested me. I tested you. You killed me. I... Oh, wait a minute. I guess I haven't killed you yet. Well, food for thought. And I totally blow their mind. How does it feel to... Have this be what you're famous for. It's miraculous to me. <laughs> McLean and Lowry say they never could have imagined this career. But they say it's gratifying to play the characters so many people around the world love or love to hate. For NPR News, I'm Ashley Gross in Seattle. That was pretty good. Now, of the characters that have appeared in the Portal series, I only really hate Wheatley. Other than that, I'm pretty cool with everyone else. Aside from the, you know, you know, homicidal computer bit. I, 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 I could see that. I started to play through Portal 1, and I got a couple of stages and never finished it. Because <laughs> I actually had Portal 2 first. I bought it on yeah. sale, and then I bought one later on. Yeah. I think I kind of like one better. See, I was playing one, and this is like a noticeable graphics difference, and it, 
kind of bothered me going well, that direction. Well, I mean, direction. the 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 graphic style is kind of the same, <laughs> except two is a little bit more decayed. But you know, yeah, I mean, I, two felt more polished. So if I had done one first, I don't think it would have bothered me a bit. But then going in, picking up one and playing it, I almost was like I expected it to be as good, which I obviously should not have. But still, I did in my mind. And that was kind of part of it for me, I think. Uh, have you seen the zero punctuation of the orange box? I don't know what that is. Uh, really fast-talking uh, review guy. Uh, let see. I believe I have it saved here. How about Orange Box? It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. Since evidence has led me to believe that Silent Hill 5 is currently in the hands of a pack of phenomenal idiots, the Half-Life 2 Orange Box has been pretty much the only game release I've really been looking forward to of late. The Half-Life series has always been a beacon of excellent design philosophy in the dark, wild, piss-stained swamplands of the video game industry. Not that it's been easy to remain enthusiastic over the months, Valve has been shamelessly delaying over and over again like an uncommitted suicidal looking down from the edge of a towering rooftop, and then there was that bewildering announcement that the pack would needlessly contain the original Half-Life 2 and Episode 1. Valve's weak rationalisation that pre-existing fans could give away their extraneous games as gifts was small comfort to jaded, friendless misanthropes like myself. But now the waiting's over and I could gleefully sit down to enjoy the latest adventures of everyone's favourite emotionally oblivious mute, Gordon Freeman. Then six hours later I had to stand up again because I'd finished it. I can't help feeling that Valve have missed the point of episodic gaming somewhat. The whole idea is to mix up the usual rigmarole of game publishing by having shorter games at lower prices released more frequently, and while they have aspects 1 and 2 down, they continue to struggle with 3. I seem to recall Valve promising that episode 2 would be longer than episode 1 to make up for the longer wait, but I guess that got kicked in the head somewhere along the line. But what the fuck, right? It's short, but it's cheap and comes with lots of fun extras, not unlike your mum, so let's just run with it and talk about the game. Gameplay-wise, there's not much to complain about, continuing as it does Half-Life's usual extremely high standard of visual design and pacing. The hype promised free roaming environments featuring epic hunter chases and pitched strider battles, but those only really come into it in the explosive finale and everything before that is the usual linear path connecting encounter after encounter. That's fine, you know, that's the formula that made Half-Life great. But stop me if any of this sounds familiar. Fighting off enemies while waiting for a very slow elevator, dropping stepping stones in radioactive waste to get across while zombies pop up to claw at your ghoulies? The set pieces in this series are starting to repeat themselves a fair bit, and really, Valve, how many times are you going to make us do that seesaw puzzle? Yes, you made a physics engine, we know, well done, but I prefer it when it's just propelling ragdolls gaily through the air. Episode 2 does suffer a little from being the middle child. There's no real beginning and no real end, so the story tends to meander around and it's difficult to shake the feeling that we're just killing time before the next episode wraps it all up. A new character is brought in without warning and everyone acts like we've always known him. It's actually quite perplexing. Valve have done a great job making us empathise with all the major NPCs so far, so being introduced to a new one at this late stage is like coming home from school to find a walrus sitting at the family dinner table and you're the only one who seems to notice. The is, of course, another Black Mesa scientist, which makes me wonder if there's anyone in this dystopian future who didn't used to work at that bloody place. Let me wrap up my thoughts quickly and move on. If you've loved Half-Life 2 and all its runty children so far, then you'll love this instalment because it's pretty much more of the same. If you like blazing action, peppered with variety and cleverness, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Half-Life 2, Episode 2, Manchester United nil. Now then, Team Fortress 2. Liverpool 3. Sorry, I'll stop this now. <laughs> Chances are you already know everything about Team Fortress if you were even remotely connected to the online FPS gaming scene in the last decade or so, and TF2 is basically just that, with a makeover and all the corners cut off. A lot has been removed from the original Team Fortress classic model, but for all its insubstantiality, it's incredibly well-balanced now. There's a role for everyone, regardless of what sort of game you like, the heavy for uncomplicated damage-soaking thickies, the spy for your backstabbing stealth game dirtbag, and the sniper for people who like point-and-click adventure games, although admittedly the... Point-and-click adventure! Yeah. The complete omission of grenades sounds weird at first, but it 
means that new players don't feel alienated by those tiresome obsessives who are all mastering the fiddly little bastards while everyone else is out having sex with girls. If I did have to criticise it, and I do, I'd say there isn't much variety in the maps. You get to decide between territory control in a desert environment, territory control in an industrial <laughs> environment, or just to mix things up, capture the flag in a desert industrial environment. But I guess this kind of thing has always been about mastering something through constant repetition, and to its credit, what little there is has been polished to a mirror shine. Lastly, there's Portal, and if you're a regular viewer, you'll understand how insane these words feel coming out of my mouth, but I can't think of any criticism for it. I'm serious, this is the most fun you'll have with your PC until they invent a force feedback cod piece. I went in expecting a slew of interesting portal-based puzzles, and that's exactly what I got. What I wasn't expecting was some of the funniest pitch-black humour I've ever heard in a game. Okay, it's only two to three hours long, but that's a good length for it. It means it does not stay its welcome, and it narrows the gap between you and the balls tightening fantastic ending. Absolutely sublime from start to finish, and I will jam forks into my eyes if I ever use those words to describe anything else ever again. Yeah, I know it's not very funny to love a game, but fuck you. Portal's great, and if you don't think so, you must be stupid. So, and then he did do Portal 2. Early on in my overpaid sequence of lucky breaks that only the most bitterly sarcastic observer would call a career, I made a video about the Orange Box, a loose collection of game-like objects bundled together as a sort of apology for Half-Life Episode 2 being about as timely as a long-term Middle East peace solution. It included Team Fortress 2, a multiplayer experience matched only by competitive breast massage, and Portal, the earthly manifestation of Christ. Fucking hell, talk about overcompensation. Makes me wonder what Valve is going to do to make up the considerably longer wait that it's been for Half-Life Episode 3. They're either going to hand out $100 bills or all line up on the roof of the studio and commit seppuku. Anyway, Portal is the only game I've been unable to find a fault in. It's like Ahab and Moby Dick, if Ahab regarded Moby Dick with asexual lust, and Moby Dick's owners wanted by today have to come visit their ivory tower and flick cashew nuts at poor people. In the time since then, and the release of Portal 2, you'll be pleased to hear that I eventually did come up with a criticism for Portal 1. It's got the worst fucking fans in the world. Nothing ruins a good thing quite like knowing you share your opinions with minus little tits who bray like mules if you so much as mention the word cake. And the good thing in question can never be the same again. This is technically known as the knights who say near effect. It was with some trepidation that I started Portal 2 then, but fortunately there's nary a mention of cake, and the companion cube appears in only a very conciliatory fashion. Although I did notice it's undergone a slight design change, hoping to cash in on a new range of plushies, are we, Valve, you crafty buggers? The thing is, and you can take this for either a good thing or a bad thing, Portal 2 doesn't have anything that's comparably mimetic, if I might employ the vocabulary of a toss pot for a moment. Portal 1 was a big delicious jam donut with cream on top, and Portal 2 is a big Cornish pasty with chocolate in one half and shepherd's pie in the other, and look at me dancing around the issue, dancey dancey la di da. Alright, let's skip to the end. Is Portal 2 good. Yes. Is it better than Portal 1? No. What you need to understand is that nobody expected Portal 1 to explode the way it did. Valve released it essentially as a stocking stuffer to mollify us into not coming around and breaking their windows. It was all of two hours long and developed by a small team within the company who had to cut corners like it was crunch time at the Circle Factory. And what I liked most about it was that it was as tight as a walnut corset. Not an inch of it was wasted. Everything was there that needed to be there for the game to work and the humour was the icing on the, uh, the French fancy. But then Portal became twice as popular as a YouTube video of a laughing baby riding a startled cat, and now suddenly the sequel is getting a big roomy box all to itself and the whole studio is behind it. The game is full of spectacular environments and opens with a lengthy physics sequence where the chamber you're in gets picked up and hauled around, bits falling off the walls and revealing epic views of the ruined facility beyond. And yeah, it's impressive, but I can't help but feel that sinking feeling you get as something splashes warmly on your face and you know you're going to have a reputation as the school slut by tomorrow afternoon. Alright, perhaps that was too much. The attitude of Portal 2 single player is best summarised by two separate occasions within it when a puzzle is interrupted by a story section. You see, Portal 1 was at 
heart a puzzle game with a really good framework. Portal 2 is a sightseeing tour that begrudgingly has a puzzle game in it. The campaign is split into three major puzzle sections broken up by connecting sequences. By god do some of those connecting sequences drag on. I hope you like playing Hunt around this huge detailed environment for the one solitary patch of portable wall and move on to the next big fuck off room. And the actual puzzles are all rather straightforward. Maybe it's because there are so many gaps between them that they feel they have to have a new tutorial every five minutes in case we accidentally looked at a vibrant section of wall since the last few puzzles and parts of our brains fell out. If the developer commentary indicates anything, it's that Valve focused test almost to a fault, and if a player so much as looked at a wall for too long, they painted a big sign on it saying <laughs> stop looking at this wall. Fortunately, I eventually found where all the actual puzzles were hiding. They're in the co-op campaign, which I played through with one of my fat friends. With the addition of two extra portals to play around with, the puzzles are bigger and better and satisfying to solve through teamwork. If you need to swiftly make friends with someone, like a future father-in-law or armed burglar, then you couldn't find a better icebreaker. I just don't think it has any replay value whatsoever. If you played it again with another fat friend, you just get sick of looking the fallen chain around and they'd resent you for not letting them figure shit out on their own. So make doubly sure that your armed burglar isn't an avid PC gamer. The continued life of the co-op will depend on additional downloadable levels, not, let me make this totally clear, the unlockable hats and costumes that they currently have, presumably with the attitude of it worked for Team Fortress 2. Did, did it really work for Team Fortress 2? I don't think so, because one of TF2's strongest features was its visual design, and to the fashion unconscious masses, Valve should just have said, no you can't wear whatever hat you like. Hands up everyone in this room who hires professional character designers. Oh, just me. Right, so shut up and wear your fucking Akubra. Whatever you take from this video, don't let it be that Portal 2 isn't worth your time, because it most certainly is. Were it in any other position, it would accumulate enough of my saliva to run all its household plumbing for several days. Unfortunately, Portal 2 is in the uncomfortable position of necessarily having to be compared to Portal 1, and taking both games as holes, it can't possibly have the same impact. Certainly there's more of it, but that just makes it flabbier. And it's still funny, but more in a broader custard pie to the face sense than in a finer snooker cube to the bollocks sense. It's a quantity over quality issue. It's the difference between having a punnet containing three nice plump cherries, or one containing five nice plump cherries and a handful of sawdust. You're either left wanting more, or left with a mouth tasting like a pigeon's been roosting in it. <laughs> So, yeah, they definitely have different feels to them. So, yeah, I've seen that AMD has been making some noise of late. Really? Yes. Any new innovative processors or what? Well, coming next year, I think. I'll figure it out. Raspberry oh. Pi camera. Using a walkie-talkie to transmit it, I always wanted to do that. Oh yeah, need to do a lot of uh, was it build conference stuff? <laughs> I think I found your Kickstarter. What's that? Uh, chip the world's first nine-dollar computer. Their goal was uh, what? 50,000 and they already have almost 300,000. This is Chip, the world's first $9 computer. Connect over a composite, VGA, or HDMI. Chip does computer things. Save your documents to Chip's onboard storage. Surf the web over Wi Fi. Play games with a Bluetooth controller. But wait, there's more. This is Pocket Chip. It makes chip portable. Take chip, <laughs> put it in the pocket chip, and you can use chip. <laughs> you might have noticed, chip looks a little different than every other computer. Because we built chip to fit into your projects. And we're so excited 
to see what you can do with a $9 computer. Kickstarter, we need your help. To make chip for $9, we need to buy components in extremely large quantities. Help us make the $9 computer a reality and back chip on Kickstarter today. Thanks. Is he wearing a Google Glass? I don't know. <laughs> that looks kind of neat. Well, there's that. There's also... There's also the Badger. Badger? Uh, yeah, which, if you remember that one Kickstarter from, I don't know, two years ago, that was essentially a... Well, I actually backed it. The, uh, the solar panel USB thing? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. They're doing another one of those, but it's, like, slightly higher power, oh. and it's waterproof. Oh, that would be a, a nice feature if you want to actually put it outside. <laughs> So this is Chip um, on the front side. So chip Smaller than the pie. All the components that make it possible. There's a USB port, full size, a micro USB port. This is pretty nice. Go support. Eight-inch jack that has composite video out, speaker out, and microphone. Uh, it has built-in Wi-Fi. See, that's hmm, that beats the pie there. Four gigs of NAND flash storage and a one gigahertz all-winner E13-based processor. Chip is nine dollars because we work very close the manufacturer who system on chips to build it uh, all-winner, and they're going rapid in source. You can sell it. Uh, it runs uh, any Linux-based. Uh, the distribution that we are building and with chip is Debian-based. Out of the box, chip connect over composite video, so you can use the tiny screen that you have. Uh, you can plug it into pocket chip and use that display. Or we've made the PGA and we also have an HDMI shield right there, and they snap onto pocket chip just like this. So <laughs> Graphics adapter is like and now it has a, than the pie or the chip. That right there is huge. So this is a this is an early prototype of pocket chips turned on right now. Um, it has a battery built into it, and the chips we have this battery pack. One of the guys has used to power it. Um, it, it makes chip portable. Insert chip with pocket chip and you can chip anywhere. The goal for chip is to give anyone who wants a nine dollar computer access to that to make a tool, computer based project, and to make building things with as easy and accessible as possible. Next thing company is a team of artists, engineers, designers, hackers. Uh, we're here to make stuff and uh, to help people. And in the past, that meant making cameras. And now it means making uh, the most affordable, fastest, and smallest computer projects. The first project of this was about a year ago. It was called Auto. It was a hackable. The chip will launch on Kickstarter May 7th. If you're watching this, probably today. Chip is $9. Uh, it, it's really powerful. But the other thing that we're really excited about is to download schematics, uh, change chip, figure out how it works, and make you want. And it also means that somebody else can make their own chip. We're really excited about what the, the board that powers your project completely open the community's help to as good as that right there, I think it's going to be a changer. That's like not just competition on the pie. That just is way better than the pie. Well, I mean, if you're looking for like some embedded, yeah. uh, like sort of like, a, I don't want to say ASIC, but like microcontroller type of stuff. If you're looking to control devices, more the Internet Things concept is good. If you want like a, a, a programming computer for kids... I, I would agree that the Pi, the other Pi, is probably better with the uh, what dual core or whatever they put in it. Yeah, that's that is really nice. And and they put it; it just went up. I can just put it in the Pi section if we want. 
Yeah, this is already funded. <laughs> oh, your your badger one yeah. is too. Thirty two thousand out of twenty. Yeah, that's must have done well in the first one. Then it must be people. Uh, oh yeah, people liked it. So. Compet editor. <laughs> what a backer with a battery. That's neat. That's only nineteen dollars. The thing I don't like is I like the concept of the pies of the the SD card. Mm-hmm. I thought major new device. You can change its brain, is what it lets you do. Yeah, it looks like. That is really nice. So the Wi-Fi being built in is something that the Pi should have. Bluetooth was a smart move because that lets you support keyboard and mouse yeah. without having to make a connector for it. Over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of solar USB charger projects on Kickstarter. For the most part, they can all charge gadgets pretty well. But then again, they do this. Whoa, now that right there, the drop in the bowling ball. Portable solar power is great, but it doesn't work unless it holds up to where you use it. That's why we designed the Badger Solar Panel, the world's toughest waterproof solar panel just for you. Whether you bike, hike, kayak, canoe, or even ice fish, the Badger Solar Panel keeps up with you no matter what the environment. Two years ago, you helped us kickstart some great solar panels, as well as helped me go from being a middle school science teacher to running my own educational electronics business full time. Since then, we've been talking to our backers and customers and asking them what they wanted in a modern solar charger. We've taken those ideas and put them into an amazing new product, the Badger Waterproof Solar Panel. The number one requested feature was waterproofing. We took that request and waterproofed our panel in different ways. The protective pouch itself is water resistant to help protect your gadgets. Inside, the USB connector is covered with a thick rubbery waterproof cap, and electronic guts have been internally waterproofed for complete protection. Second, you want a way to see how much power your panel is creating. We've included a free USB power meter with every solar panel. That's you can cool. always get the fastest charge. That is. Because gadgets are more power hungry than ever, we've maximized the USB power output to meet the needs of even the largest gadget. A major weakness of many solar panels is that if even one cloud goes over the sun, your gadgets stop charging for good. With our auto restart technology, your gadgets will automatically reestablish their connection and keep charging, no matter what. Nice. In case you want to store solar power for later use, or the occasional rainy day, we're offering two optional power banks that are every bit as durable <laughs> and waterproof as the Badger Solar Panel. We love solar power and know that you do too. That's why we're going straight to you to fund manufacturing the world's greatest, toughest, waterproof <laughs> solar panel. I like it when they shoot them. So whether you're off the grid or on the go or just having some fun outside, Badger Solar Panel will keep you charged up no matter what life throws at you. I wonder how they achieved the level of flexibility to let them drop the bowling ball and drive over it. Because solar panels break. Yeah.
they talked about the waterproof. They didn't really talk about the the uh, tough factor, how they achieved that. I mean, you know, supposedly the ones that, you know, the ones that, you know, were the previous ones, those those were apparently pretty tough. Oh, okay. So. So they already achieved toughness. They were just. Well, increasing. I mean, you know, general, like you could like throw it in a backpack and you wouldn't worry about it. Nice thing about having. Oops, sorry. And I don't, I don't really think that the auto restart is much of a big deal because, like, it's just variable, you know, based on like how much light is uh, on it. Mm. I think that might be more of a function of what you have plugged into it, though. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a deal with the phones of they're not having, uh, they're having issues with like a low power or something, and maybe they decide they're not charging. Yeah. I just don't know if it would like cycle the power or something when it feels it has if, enough. If anything, I'll probably at least get the uh, the flashlight. A waterproof power bank flashlight. Yeah, that's kind of neat. It's actually really neat for like camping or something. Mm-hmm. Because you know it's essentially a lamp that also has a port on it. Yeah. <laughs> Chris. Yeah. Um. So. Let's see, did I ever say hi to him? I don't think I did. I don't think so. Then we just ignored him. Well, no, you said hi to me as Chris, though. <laughs> you did say hi, Chris, to me. Okay, sorry. He uh, also told me to remind him to get skin milk. Um, I, I almost wanted to say something. You mean skim, right? But I'm pretty sure he said skin. Like, I'm not a Basselhoff. Like, I'm not privy to all these... You know, weird mystical ceremonies of the family. I don't, I don't know what he would need skin milk for. You know, this solar panel with the pie thing could be kind of neat. Well, like this I... thing, not the pie thing, the chip. Yeah. Because this is small, so it may be pretty good with power. Yeah, the power bank I have won't charge and give out power at the same time. So, like, I might actually have to shop around and, like, look at feature sets or something. Wow, a wall clock. I never thought about doing that. That would be kind of neat to have a Wi-Fi connected clock. That would be really neat. <laughs> oh, he said hi, Andrew. Oh. And we're, like, 100% sure. No guest. Uh... Oh, right. Now for some NSA news. Apparently it's been ruled illegal by an appeals court. Hmm. wonder if they're actually obeying it. I need a, um, uh, for this, they have $19 for chip and battery, chip and VGA, chip and HDMI. I need one that gives chip, battery, and, like, VGA or something. You put that in the Kickstarter for the show, yours? The, the yeah, badger. the Badger, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I like that one, too. I want to look in, into that one. Well, I kind of figured oh, once... Once they shot it with a gun, I should have known that you'd be all over that. <laughs> well. <laughs> you see the, the buy Josh a shirt yeah. option? Yeah, I read that. That's kind of funny. And no one's taken them up on that either. Well, you see, if you choose that, then you can't choose any of the other tiers. So Really? You can't double back a thing? Not unless you create two accounts, mm, but I see. I mean, you could probably like send him a note or something, 
It's like if I back this and give you like seventy more dollars, like get the next one or whatever. So there's your flashlight, but that's just a flashlight. Yeah, flashlight and meter. Oh, because they are already no, because the waterproof was was new. So they. Mm-hmm. I think I think if you scroll down to like a hundred and forty, you get the six thousand power bank with one of the panels. Yeah, I think it's one forty. Oh yeah, twelve watt battery plus six thousand. I saw the flashlight one. Yeah, yeah, it is. The fifteen thousand is the brick. Ah, uh, okay. that feels like a lot more. What was just the panel? Mm-hmm. Plus, he uh, has he has the uh, the previous kickstarted panels for like really cheap, like the ten watt folding one I have. I think I backed it for like one hundred and fifty mm-hmm. with that, and I got the power bank. I think you can go into a store right now and get both of them for like maybe 80 or so. Okay. He has them really far deep discounted. Hmm. So you also saw the... Uh, the Verizon agreements? Mm, no. Yeah. I'll give you this. No, there's not much there. Mm. It's possible to daisy chain two of our panels together to double the output. That's kind of a good concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is the uh, Internet of Things that I wanted to talk about. How the open smart grid protocol apparently has faulty encryption. Hmm. According to, I think it's Kapersky. So I wonder why they're uh, 8, 12, and 16 watt, they say, charges in one hour for a smartphone. Is it just so high that the phone can't take any more? Maybe, maybe, but, you know, a smartphone doesn't really have that big of a battery and compared to, say, a it, tablet. It's already hitting the upper limit of how... How much? I'm not. Sh- I'm not aware of like any kind of uh, like a maximum amperage that it can take. But I mean, most smartphones kind of prefer having at least two amps to charge with. Which I mean, eight watts. That's practically two amps right there. Yeah, I think I think it was pretty up there. It has a tough plastic coating on his panels to prevent scratches, breaks. Specifically under fire is a homegrown message authentication code called OMA Digest. What's that? The uh, smart grid protocol. The number one rule of cryptography is don't invent your own. <sighs> Unless it's like your master's thesis or something. Yeah. I actually had one of those, uh, I forget what the name of the chips were, that I had ordered a few months back. I think they were due sometime in May to get one. There was like a embedded chip that had Wi-Fi and stuff on it. Hmm. Okay. Um, I was going to these. I found out. Source grid. 
I think we're pretty close to the show. Yeah. I mean, we've been recording for over an hour, so <laughs> so then we do the show for maybe an hour, and then it'll be 10.30, so... We should, like, add a joke of the day or something. <laughs> so those are the house meters that talk back with the electric company. They're saying that the data being transferred can be hacked? Yeah. Hmm. So you could do things like change your reported metering or maybe spy on someone else's electric usage. Mm-hmm. You could do some sort of side channel attack. I wonder if you can turn meters off. Mm-hmm. How would the electric companies shut your electric off if you didn't pay your bill? I mean, they may come out of the house, but they may have a way to turn turn it off. Mm-hmm. Which, at that point in time, that's a pretty powerful tool to have the lock broken on. So you sort of get the idea of that high bandwidth memory? With the AMD one? Yeah. I'm still kind of scanning it to get the concept. anything about their memoristors in a while yeah apparently they cannot be uh, manufactured on uh, CMOS type processes mm-hmm. so they need to invent something new yeah well, I guess I'm ready whenever you are wait servo Windows Microsoft themselves are releasing it to the Linux. I figured it'd be just an open source project that someone would pick up and run with. What's that? The .NET for Linux. If they're going to focus more on apps, though, and they're less worried about people making people use their operating system, it may someday make sense for them to make use of Linux in some way. And so that might set them up in a good position to suddenly be the maker of the language that's used the most. Yeah, um... And then, you know, that Windows Azure type thing? Uh-huh. Like, they, I, I'm pretty sure that they offer Linux images for that. Oh, interesting. You know, and plus they've committed code to uh, the kernel also. Granted, it was, like, mostly stuff about their uh, hypervisor. To, so it could take advantage of it. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, that's better than nothing, right? Yeah. It shows that they were thinking about it. You know, they've, they've realized that they are part of an ecosystem whether they like it or not so they can't just uh, hate linux or not care about it or what have you visual studio code so it's even usable in linux that is that that's to give a visual studio essentially for linux people (laughs) that's that's going pretty pretty serious that's too extreme wait visual studio online Whoa, has Git integration? Finally, maybe we get away from TFS. I was talking to work today, someone about that, about how TFS is kind of really broken, and it's not good source control. And this was saying, well, it really, I mean, it'd be nice if there's like good integration with the IDE with Git. That's weird. Them using Chrome. <clears throat> Okay, go to the restroom and then meet again. Oops. I broke one of my mom's glasses last night. Yeah, that one's pretty heavy. Okay.
Alright, shall we begin? Yes, we should. Alright. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was pretty well synchronized. So, yep, it's uh, quarter till 11, so I guess you better get going. Yep. Alright.